Kiora and welcome to the Destinate NZ podcast. I'm Michelle. And I'm Chambers. And today we've got another guest on the show, Sarah Webster, and we're talking women in leadership. So Chambers, how are you going this fine weekend? Oh, I've had a great weekend, thank you. I'm just sat up in uh, Araki Mount Cook, looking at the beautiful Araki Mount Cook while we record this. Oh, look, I've actually seen some photos from down there today. I have somebody I follow on Instagram in your hood this weekend, <laughs> and it does look spectacular. It does. It's that perfect time of year when it's still warm, but there's snow everywhere. And yeah, it's lovely. Yes. So we're actually recording this episode a little bit ahead of time. We have just watched the second Letters Like Up. So how are you feeling? Are you happier than me? <laughs> Oh, you did bring it up. Yes, I'm ecstatic. But um, it's going to be really exciting next week because obviously having watched the second one, I won't give too much away. But next week or next game, sorry, is going to be in Australia, right? So there's a very strong chance the Aussies may win. And well, if they do, that's going to make for a very exciting final. I know. And with the first one being a draw, it's the best of three now. Mm. So I actually think... Even though we took a bit of a hammering at Eden Park, or what was it called today? It was Cooper's Catch Park for the fish and chip shop in Kaikoura. That's it, yeah. That it's still game on Australia, I hope. Yes, well, um, I don't know if I agree with you on that one. But anyway, (laughs) the one thing I'm loving the most is just just how great the rugby is. Like last last week's game was nail biting and really good rugby. You know, no one knew who was going to win anywhere at any point through that game. And I think that felt quite similar this game until the All Blacks led it on the second half. Absolutely. And yeah, it's nice to see that Australia is fighting back and we have a new coach and there's some great talent in the team. And, you know, look, at the end of the day, Australian rugby needs to be strong for us to enjoy it, I think, Mm. because it gets a bit boring when the All Blacks just win all the time which they have for the last or however many yeah. years. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, like I love watching the All, Black, All Blacks win, but you can, there's nothing better than watching a game where they've won, where they've actually had to really try hard for it. It's just good. It's just good rugby. That's what yeah. it's about. You know, nobody wants to watch a walk in the park every day. Otherwise, yeah, it just wouldn't, it's just not that great. But it's not as great as, as this rugby is right now. So it's really good. And the very fact that we've got a full stadium and we're about the only place in the world that is I know. able to do that at the moment. How good is that? How lucky are we? Yep. Mm. Yeah, so speaking of victories, we had a landslide victory last night and we swept up red. Yes. And unfortunately, blues uh, completely dropped out. Yes, I don't know that I was expecting such a landslide victory. I thought that Labor would get back in, but it has been, it's Mm. quite phenomenal actually to see what's happened in some of the electorates. I know even here in Topor, Louise Upston has been our MP since 2008 and she is a mighty fine local MP. I have to say she is everywhere. I don't know how she does it. She's got a huge electorate, but yet the party vote went to Labor. Yeah, I think the same happened here in Waitaki as well with Jackie Dean. Yeah. So, yeah, some really interesting stuff that came out of um, this election. It was really exciting watching it yesterday, regardless of who you voted for. There was definitely some tense 
and some very interesting moments. Really good to see a party like ACT come in. And I guess that's where some of those national votes would have gone to, you know, and at least we've got a good opposition side to challenge, you know, and it's going to be really interesting watching Labour govern, potentially govern alone. They don't have to have the Greens. No, they Mm. don't. And I can't quite make up my mind what they're going to do on that. So I'll be watching that very closely. But the other interesting one was Wairiki with Tamati Coffee being voted out. So again, it's bringing the Maori Party back into government. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, so do I. So do I. It needs, just like we were discussing, which we will go on to discuss with Sarah, sorry, that diversity sitting at the table is actually a really good thing to have. And so, yes, what a perfect, prominent time to launch Sarah Webster, Women in Leadership, after we just saw two women battle it out in absolute leadership. And one was always going to win. I know, I know. And we do get into that. And I know Judith Collins, I think, in the last leadership debate actually said she's looking forward to a time when we're not even talking about the fact that it's two women sitting there battling it out. And, you know, we touched on that in our episode with Sarah today. So, which I think is exactly where we'd all like to be, right? Yeah, but still, nonetheless, I am, you know, we're in a a very rare position where it is changing and we are embracing it. And I'm loving the fact that I'm involved in that. And that's really cool to be part of that, to see that. Awesome. Okay, so we'll now hand it over and we'll play our interview with Sarah. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. Well, kia ora, Sarah. Thanks for joining us today. How are you? I'm well, thanks. How are you? I'm fantastic. (laughs) Great to have you here. So for those of our listeners who don't know who you are, you're currently the Human Resources Manager at Royal Pehu Alpine Lifts, um, but you haven't always been in HR. So do you want to give me a bit of background on your career journey to date? Sure. How long have you got? I probably have taken a little bit of a, a few turns along the way to get to where I am today. But I originally uh, studied disability studies um, at university and then following that did a couple of jobs involved with helping people with disabilities get employment, so youth training programs, as well as working in recreational services, so respite care or taking people out into different recreation opportunities on the weekends. And then I kind of decided that it was a bit intense for a 21-year-old And I wanted to take a bit of a break and I'd learnt to ski and snowboard while I was in Canada on student exchange. So saw an advert for Perisher over in Australia where I was living in Adelaide at the time and applied to work there for a season. And one season turned into around 20 seasons. So I headed over to Perisher, my season there in guest services and ended up doing back-to-back seasons between Australia and Mammoth Mm -hmm. in the US and then came to New Zealand in 2010 and continued that journey in the ski industry. So I have predominantly worked in the ski industry in uh, anything from guest services through to ski school. I worked over in the US for about seven years with instructors and scheduling and doing all their payroll and admin. And I did a lot of their onboarding and offboarding paperwork and then decided I wanted to study and got into human resources and eventually found myself in a role down in Queenstown. 
Awesome. So I guess when you think back to it, though, with the disability studies, it's a lot of care and responsibility for people. It's probably not that different, really, to human resources, just on a slightly different level. Yeah, it's actually interesting. A lot of the human disability studies we did was around the sociology and uh, environment and community, but as well as training programs mm-hmm. and helping people get into employment in from different areas and different um, backgrounds, whether it was just uh, community-wise, helping them step into a different environment or creating that community for them and the ability to succeed. So it is. it was has been really similar into human resources in a lot of ways and the different personalities and people that you deal with on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, very cool. Yep, and, and also taught you a lot of patience, I can imagine. I like to think that I've had a bit of patience my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely need patience in a, a HR role as such, wouldn't you think? Uh, You do. You do need a bit of patience. But I think that also comes from just understanding different people and that different people have different approaches. And if you kind of look at it from that perspective, then it's a lot easier to, to take a step back evaluate the situation not necessarily the person Mm. and seeing how people are reacting but yeah patience sometimes definitely required Mm. great so tell me what gets you out of bed each morning uh i think work-wise what gets me out of bed is probably i'm a a solid introvert on the end of the scale (laughs) (laughs) but funnily enough what gets me out of bed for work-wise is being able to see other people succeed and being a part of their journey and interacting with people on that level i'm really inspired by the fact that in a lot of my roles when i've left them i've had somebody come in and i've been able to train them up into um, the position so when i've left somebody i've worked with closely has stepped into the role and i'm really proud of that fact Mm. so that's probably i think the key thing that gets me out in the morning yeah that's really cool and chambers you and i are probably at the opposite end of the uh, (laughs) spectrum spectrum (laughs) to sarah with the introvert extrovert so sarah really do appreciate taking you out of your comfort zone to come and talk on on the podcast today but one of the reasons i really wanted to get you on to the show is to talk about the recent course that you've completed in women in leadership so can you tell us a little bit about the aim of that course and what the key takeouts for you were So I just finished 12 months with the Advanced Leadership Program through Women in Leadership Australia New Zealand. Mm -hmm. And for me, I guess the reason for doing the course was was part of the fact that I don't like speaking in public. I tend to be the one that's a little bit quieter in a meeting until I've got something to say. And I really wanted to gain some, I guess, confidence and experience in believing in that I can contribute on a broader leadership scale. Mm -hmm. Um, and the course definitely gave me that so pre-COVID the course was aimed at you had three workshops which were in person two days I chose to do them in Melbourne Mm -hmm. and we managed to make it through the first two didn't quite make it to the third one which uh, ended up being all online but I think probably the key takeaways for me were the amazing group of women that you get to go along the journey with So we had a cohort of about 30 30 women across a variety of different industries. So anything from local councillors in Australia 
through to doctors, nurses, myself in tourism, and yeah, a range of different different people involved. And it, they've actually turned into a really good network of support. Mm. So we have a WhatsApp group where people answer, ask questions or if they're just having a bad day or if they want advice on how they dealt with a situation, it's become a really cool network of support across, across a whole range of different topics as well. I think another key takeaway for me was probably the coaching aspect. So you get a, an element of executive coaching where you work one-on-one with a coach. Yeah. So that's about you and your development. Uh, and yeah, you also get to coach someone. So you have a partner in the program where you, you coach them and they coach you and it's a really nice relationship as well. So, and I took a lot away from that. I guess from a work perspective, one of the key takeaways from me was there's a key part of the program is talking about Heifetz's six principles of adaptive leadership. Mm -hmm. And probably the biggest one is the first principle, which is getting on the balcony and being able to look at problems from a big picture view. Yeah, so I've kind of taken that and twisted it into my own little analogy based on the ski industry, which has been really (laughs) cool. So I guess I explain. Oh, rather sorry. being on no no rather being on a balcony, you go on a chairlift. Is that where you're? Yeah. Is that your analogy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on the gondola. Have we had this conversation? On the gondola, yeah. No 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 no. I just just came to me then. I was like, oh, you wouldn't be on a balcony if you're thinking about ski. But carry on. Sorry. No no, that's totally exactly spot on. So the the whole getting on the balcony process is that in your day-to-day at work, you tend to be on the dance floor and you're focused on what is immediately around you. So if someone bumps into you, you're focused on that person bumping into you, Mm -hmm. not so much on the cause or what has happened for that person to happen, to bump into you, sorry. And so the whole idea is that you have to take these moments to get on the balcony and actually look at the dance floor as a whole so you can see the big picture. And so I was relaying this analogy to someone at work the other day and how I had taken it to be more about the ski industry, how the balcony for us is getting on the chairlift or the gondola. And so each morning you're coming into work or you come up to ski and you get on the chairlift, you get on the gondola and you're able to take a ride up and not only see the skiers coming down, bumping into each other or avoiding each other, but you're able to pick your line and you can see the new rocks that may have emerged or you can Mm -hmm. see the new wind drifts and the powder and you can pick your line and as you're skiing down that's when you're kind of on the dance floor yeah it's our whole process because our environment in particular changes so quickly and and it's constant change Mm. it's almost that um, rhythm of getting on the chairlift riding to the top looking at what's happening what's changed and then skiing down and experiencing it and being amongst it and then getting back on the chairlift as a constant cycle. Yeah. Mm. That's a really cool analogy. I like that because we do get so caught up with those immediate, you know, challenges or issues that are right in front of us. And yeah. And when you are in those leadership positions, it's good to actually step back and see how everybody's doing and what's going on and, you know, the overall challenges rather than just that immediate one that's sitting in front of you. Yeah, I think that was for me one of the big reminders is that when I've been in amongst it at work and you can feel the stress kind of building up or you can feel yourself getting a little bit 
reactionary to somebody in a conversation. It's almost that reminder to, to say, okay, I need to step back. Why is this person being confrontational? Why is there conflict? Yep. How do I see the big picture and, and what's going on rather than focusing on that individual moment? Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, awesome. We know from the research that's been done that having more women in leadership increases um, innovation, boosts profits and results in more satisfied customers. So not to mention that it also helps with staff recruitment and retention. What's your take on this? It goes back to a lot of the diversity topic as a whole, rather than it just being around women in leadership, but diversity across leadership creates a lot of, diversity of thought in particular, but it gives you a different perspective on everything. And I think from having diversity of thought, you also get some conflict, but good conflict. It raises creativity, raises a lot of ideas that you don't necessarily think of, you know, thinking about recruitment and how we recruit people. There's a bias that you tend to hire people that are like you or similar to you. Yep. But the actual positive factor when you hire someone that's different to you is that they bring something to the table that you might not have thought of before. And so I think as women, we have a real opportunity in leadership to bring that diversity to the table and bring it, think about things that other people in the room might not have thought of before. But we also bring a perspective that means women can come to work and we create a different environment for them. So there's a the flexibility aspect. And I think giving a voice to people that don't ordinarily have a voice in a lot of situations. Hmm. I hope that answered the question. Yeah, 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 no, definitely. It's great. Uh, you, you just speaking of conflict there, you took me back to um, another podcast that you actually put me on to, the Squiggly Careers podcast, and they had yeah. an episode about conflict. And if you haven't, listen to squiggly careers i'd actually recommend that but for me that was a really interesting episode that they put out because we often think of conflict as a negative thing and and they were talking about how do you frame that and it can actually be a positive you know you can use conflict for good and um, i think that's really important to remember that as well when you're in business and having those robust discussions around the board table yeah, it's interesting. One of the um, things, other things that I took away from the Women in Leadership courses and one of the workshops we talk about the people in, at, in your workplace that quite often you see as being critical and viewing them now as your critical friend. Mm -hmm. So they're the people that raise stuff at meetings that you're not a fan of or they might be quite picky or argumentative sometimes. But if you think of them as your critical friend, you can realise that they're highlighting things that you just haven't seen yeah. or they're highlighting things that are underlying that aren't there. So taking it as a positive rather than thinking that it's a negative aspect that they're bringing to the workplace. Yeah, totally. And sometimes that comes from, you know, either they're seeing things that you might not necessarily see, but it's also it comes from a place of passion because they care. As yeah. Well. That's just important to keep in mind. Mm. So what do you hope for in the future with regards to women in leadership? I hope in the future that it's not something that we have to talk about. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But <laughs> it is quite nice how 
don't get me wrong that we're recognizing it because we are moving in the right direction right, right now and we're embracing it. But I 100% agree, Sarah. I really look forward yeah. to the day when it's not something necessarily quite so special. It's just the norm. Yeah. I think it's, you know, I don't think it's necessarily about having a quota of women at the table. I think it's having women at the table who are bringing the voice that people need to hear and that they're expressing opinions and that it's not looked down upon or it's not a challenge for them. Everyone feels comfortable that they're able to do that. Mm -hmm. But I, I would love for us in the future to have an environment where we don't have to think about, you know, oh, we've got three women at the table or we've got two women at the table. You know, it's just there's an equality of voice there as well. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I've been pretty fortunate, I think, right through my career that, it's never really been an issue. It's, you know, it's something that's reported on because companies report on those sorts of things in their annual reports. But I've never felt any different being a woman sitting at a leadership table. And in a lot of cases, I've been very much in the minority. You know, there's only mm. been me and sometimes maybe only one or two others around that table. But it's never been, I've never felt that I was the token woman. Yeah, I don't think you've felt like the token woman, but I definitely feel like um, you both would have been in a very similar situation in terms of the male males being dominant in the environment that you're working in. It's definitely, I do feel like at times I've had to fight for my voice and just be, you know, and put that hand up and go, hey guys, remember I'm still here, <laughs> you know, yeah. at times. At yeah, times. I think so. And I think the only thing that I would say I've ever, I've, I've never felt... I don't know how to describe it. I think there's sometimes when I've wanted to share my opinion and it has been looked at as an emotional opinion and we're going to get on in a little bit, we're going to get on to communication styles. And I think when, when we talk about that, it will become very clear probably why I communicate in that way. But it's, yeah, I, I you know, I don't try and come from an emotional place, but sometimes that's how it comes across. And, and mm. therefore you do feel like, oh, you're this very emotional woman sitting around the table and, you know, you just kind of need to tone it down a little bit. And yeah, that's, that's frustrating. And that has been frustrating over the years. I'm not going to lie about that. I'm not going to lie, but it can be even more frustrating having an emotional male. Don't know about you two, but... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving on. So, Sarah, look, we're all women in leadership roles. So what would your advice be to other women um, coming up through the ranks right now? I would firstly say that as a woman in a leadership position, I think that we have a huge responsibility to help those women mm. and not just mm. ask them to make the move and step up, but also give them the boost. And I think for me, that's probably been a focus is how do I take our next level of female leaders and help them get to the next step. Mm. So my advice would be probably similar advice that I would give to a lot of people, regardless of gender or, you know, age or wherever they're at in their careers. But I'd probably say take every opportunity that you've got use your voice. And if you don't want to use your voice for yourself, use your voice on behalf of others. Because I think for me in particular, I do sometimes shy away from voicing my direct opinion. Mm -hmm. But I think when I'm able to do it from a perspective of the, how it will help others and advocating on behalf of others, it's helped me to have my voice 
yeah. and it's given me a purpose and my why. So I think if you're in a position where you want to take the next step, look at the opportunities, don't say no to anything, but also don't be afraid to just step outside your comfort zone every now and then. Yeah. That's great advice. It is great advice. And, you know, when you talk about us as leaders looking out for that next generation, I think that's a really important one because I think, and it's, it's not necessarily just a woman, female thing, but I don't think we're always that great at, you know, looking out for other women and supporting them and encouraging them. And, and I would say anybody coming through, look for a mentor and doesn't necessarily need to be a female mentor either. I've had some amazing male mm. and female mentors through mm. my career. And, you know, it's, it's just nice to have that person to bounce something often you know some ideas around and and yeah just kind of answer the questions and have somebody that's a little bit probably outside of your organization if you can just to be a bit impartial and unbiased yeah yeah definitely and I I won't attribute this to anyone because I cannot remember who (laughs) actually said it but it was about mentor relationships and how the perfect mentor mentee relationship is when you're both getting something out of it yeah so it's not just mentor teaching something to their mentee but that you're getting as a mentor you're getting as much out of the relationship and it's really reciprocal and though that kind of relationship will develop over time and I think when you've got that you both have an opportunity to succeed and boost each other up through you know your careers or whichever direction you want to go yeah, that's absolutely the case. Like I know even now with some of the businesses that I'm working with, I'm learning as much from them because they bring a completely different perspective to the table as what hopefully they're learning from me. And yeah, it is a reciprocal um, yeah, relationship or it should be. So changing the topic a little bit, I mentioned that we were going to talk about communication styles and communication methods and that sort of thing. I think you know, obviously you and I worked together for a, a few years at RAL and one of the coolest things from my perspective, and there were lots of things, but this one was the best that you introduced <laughs> us to was the DOTS communication method. And I talk about this a lot with my friends and family and even some of my clients now, and I still use it in my daily life. So can you just summarize for those who aren't familiar with DOTS, what it's all about and why you think it's so beneficial and why you brought it to the company? Yeah, so I was a part of TEDx Queenstown, helping out with some of the organisation of that when it went on. And through that, I actually met Amy Scott, who is uh, one of the DOTS facilitators. So I hope that I do Amy justice right now. (laughs) (laughs) You've given her a shout out though, so that's good. (laughs) Yeah. Dots communication, I think, is it's a communication style, not a personality test. So it's around how we as individuals communicate. And there's four predominant dots. So being purple, yellow, red or blue. And I think the strong message is, is we all have all of the dots in different proportions. And so we'll have a predominant style that we like to use but we can still slip into any of the other styles and we can learn how to use them in different ways as well. So yeah, there's the four, the four dots and it is a communication style theory that helps us, I think, identify how we're communicating, but also 
how the other person is communicating so that we can adjust our style if need to and just opens up a more um, open communication between everyone. Mm. Yep. So I'm a blue dot, um, very strong blue dot, and um, <laughs> you are a red dot. Do you want to just explain a little bit about what that means? <laughs> um, <laughs> We're completely think- opposites. <laughs> I don't know if they're total opposites. <laughs> I would say purple and red are probably more the Oh, yeah, actually, yeah, you're right. <laughs> but it's interesting when, when Amy presents it and when she talks about it, it's, you know, as a purple, when you're listening to a purple dot talk, they'll say, I know a lot. Mm-hmm. So I know this, I know that. Whereas with a blue dot, they'll say, I feel. Mm-hmm. And with a red dot, they'll say, I understand or I think mm-hmm. a lot. And it was quite interesting doing it. So you've got your four dots. And I think when we did it, I was red, blue, yellow, purple. So purple being the lowest. Our CEO at the time was purple. Very purple. Very strong purple. And I think what's interesting is my second dot being blue is where I go when I'm stressed. And so when I'm under pressure. And I've consciously heard myself switch from saying I think to I feel. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's when it's happening. Yeah. So I think, you know, difference between, I just said, I think now I notice it. When I'm talking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but for the blue dots, there is a lot of emotion, but good emotion in the sense of being able to understand how other people are feeling in the room and very conscious of how people are interacting. Yep. Um, whereas a red dot, probably very direct, to the point, not a lot of words, not a lot of fluff. And that can be quite offensive, I guess, to a blue dot person because there is an emotion and it can can come across as quite abrupt and harsh. Yeah, I think from a personal perspective, we've got a couple of people in our, you know, at RAL who are strong red dots. Mm-hmm. And I think understanding that that abruptness is not, um, a personal thing but it's just their communication style actually helped quite a bit yeah I, I think for me that was one of the things that I loved about going through the exercise because there were some people in the organization that I felt you know oh what have I you know done something wrong and then all of a sudden we did this exercise and and there was this light bulb moment where we all went ah that's what it is and it broke down so many barriers and almost became part of our daily language where we'd say, look, I'm, I'm feeling a bit blue today or I'm a bit red today or, you know, purple dots probably didn't say I'm feeling a bit purple today, <laughs> but you could tell. No, them. they know. They know they're feeling yeah, purple. That's right. They're out there. But yeah, and, and I think that was really cool. And I think there were some really strong bonds formed. And I think of the bonds that I formed, even probably even stronger with yourself through that process and whilst we'd always got on really well, it was kind of like this almost understanding when I went, ah, now I can read how Sarah's feeling today before I waltzed into your office expecting, <laughs> you know, you just to make yourself available for me because <laughs> that's what I needed at the time. So, yeah, it's, I, I found it a really, really useful exercise and I'd encourage anybody to go through it. I think that's probably the biggest part of it is that it gave everyone a real common language to mm-hmm. use. Yeah. And so you didn't have to try and explain how you were communicating. You could just say, I'm very purple today. I'm scattered. I'm all over the place. I'm kind of jumping from one thing to the next. 
to, you know, somebody could walk in and look at me and go, okay, you're red. I'm going to come back and have this conversation another time. Like, Yeah. yeah. But I think the other thing that we learned um, from Amy was that you can't use your dot as an excuse. So if you were being a dick, you were being a dick. <laughs> that's not because you're being blue or red or yellow or purple. It's just, that's, it's not an excuse. So I think that was, that was also something that came through and yeah. And people seem to really respond to that and use yeah. it. And it was great. I have to ask. Yeah. What is yellow? Oh, yellow is, sorry, Sarah, you go. <laughs> yellow is someone who's very visual. So they, if, they'll probably say, I see a lot. And I the funniest see. thing was Amy does a representation of people's desks. And if you see someone whose desk is very, I'm going to use the word sterile, but clean, everything's in its place. There's probably, you know, everything put back at the end of the day as they leave it is how they find it the next day that's a yellow person. So they are probably the person that's likely to put a sign up in the staff kitchen that says clean up after yourselves. <laughs> um, all those little things. Yeah. They were also the people and correct me if I'm wrong, Sarah, but the yellows are those who have a very clear kind of vision and plan for the day. So if you cancelled a meeting on them, they'd find that really challenging because that was how they'd mapped out their day and they had a very, you know, clear pattern of what they wanted to achieve. Yeah. A yellow person would never be late to a meeting. Yep. Right. I see. I'm yep. not yellow. The other example that <laughs> <laughs> the other example that she used was if you look not just at your desk but at your computer and how many tabs you had open. And I always struggled with this because purples always had like 50 tabs open and you know they were working on lots of things and they were the the guys that you know had big ideas and knew lots of stuff but would only get to 80% of the task and then they'd hand it over to somebody else to to get done. And of course, I had very little purple in my questionnaire that, that I filled out, but I've always got 50 or 60 tabs open and it takes me, you know, half an hour to close down my computer at the end of the day. So I don't know what that says about me and my blue dot, but maybe I'm just busy. <laughs> just got a little bit of purple in there somewhere. Yeah, I do have a little bit of purple in there. <laughs> cool. So cool. So that sounds really good. And so just one last question on the, the dot conversation. Would you highly recommend a facilitator, Sarah, to come and, and do this? Or is it something you could learn in your company and facilitate it yourself? You definitely would want to get a facilitator in to just help the whole group understand the concept. We've been able to use Amy's TED Talk and a, a few little tools and tips second to that. But I think the key part of it is that you can't just say that you are one dot color and a lot of the online tests, it's literally a 10 question. It will only give you one dot or it will give you a range, but it's not incredibly accurate. Mm, right. And I think the process of going through it with a group of people with someone from outside of the company actually helped everybody open up and be a little bit more, I guess, sharing yeah. of their little, you know, thoughts and there was a lot of laughter in the room as well so highly beneficial to bring someone in and help facilitate it and and get an understanding of the the dots communication styles yeah i i'd agree with that because i think the thing amy kind of took any of that i guess the nervousness around sharing out of the room and just created this really safe space for us to all 
you know, communicate really well with each other. And, and there's nothing right or wrong about any of these dots. You know, you are who you are and all of them are equal. It's just, they're all just different. And I guess it was just learning about what made each person tick. And when we broke up into the four different dots or predominant dots in the room, it was really interesting to look around the room and go, ah, okay, I get it now. And, and it was even the same with me because some people were like, are you blue, really? So it was, it was kind of this moment where, yeah, it was. Oh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. And that's why I wanted to talk about it today. So the clarity and revelation. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So Sarah, here we go. Um, we're coming to the end of the show now. And how do you feel about a bit quick fire round? You've probably heard of this if you've been listening to our podcast. So if you're happy, we're going to give it a go but you just need to answer whatever comes into your mind first. Okay. Okay. Got it. <laughs> right. Here we go. Summer or winter? Winter. Chocolate or coffee? Coffee. <laughs> Gin or wine? Oh, toss up. Okay. Mm, oh, uh, I'll go wine. <laughs> uh, mountains or ocean? Mountains. Yeah. Morning or evening? Definitely the evening. Oh, North Island or South Island? I'm going to go South Island and I'm probably going to get into trouble for that one. <laughs> Agreed. Favourite place in New Zealand? Oh, this isn't very much of a quick fire answer, is it? <laughs> um, I'm going to go Aoraki Mount Cook. Yay. Oh, Chambers will be happy with that. That's where yep. she is now. That's exactly where I'm recording from right now. I can see him right there. And your favorite place in the world? Mammoth Mountain, California. Nice. That was quick. You must be your favorite. Ski or snowboard? Snowboard. <laughs> Badly. <laughs> cool. oh, very cool. Hey, look, Sarah, it's been great to catch up. Thanks for coming in and chatting to us today. And um, hopefully yeah. you enjoyed it just as much as we did. Definitely. It's been an interesting experience. Definitely a step out of my comfort zone, but thank you for making it as pain-free as possible. Well, awesome. you never know. This may not be your first podcast experience. There might be people knocking on your door for, for more guest, <laughs> guest podcasting services. <laughs> may not be your last, you mean. <laughs> oh, my boy, sorry. <laughs> what did I say? your first <laughs> may not be your last yeah it may not be my last <laughs> really wrong maybe, maybe michelle's though <laughs> yeah, might be mine. i might be sacked after this yeah anyway thanks i for just wrote my um 11 topic for tomorrow on uh last impressions so hopefully i've made a good lasting impression for... awesome excellent yes mm. very yes, good thanks sarah thanks sarah we'll talk to you soon yeah. thanks bye